Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. I'm Dave Gasper, joined once again by Matt Carroll. We are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. And sorry to say that we missed last week. It has just been the, the month of September for both of us has just been hell in a handbasket. And you could really say the same for the brewers themselves. But really, it's it's been hectic. It's been crazy. We've been dealing with sickness and work and busy schedules and watching the brewers and Matt, you know, even, even the site itself has, you know, slowed down a bit, which we apologize for. But I mean, at the same time, when we're at this point in the season, there is only so much that you can, uh, there's only so much substance you can legitimately write about. I mean, it's all at this point, it's all about just, win just win as much as you can you take it day by day with this team with the playoff race you don't know whether they're in whether they're out where they're going to end up being and some days you feel confident some days you don't and it's just it's hard to kind of take anything any one direction and we try to have some sort of standards at reviewing the brew.com and you know we don't want to do dramatic overreactions to single games you know they, they lose one game, ah, it's all over, blow it all up, they, like give up on this team, or they win one, oh my God, they're back in it, World Series possible team. Like we, we don't want to go back and forth like that. So it just kind of ends up, we're just kind of like all of us, we're just kind of waiting and watching to see where this goes. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you're right. Like it's the, it's simple. You got to win to get in. Like that's where they're at right now. They just... They need to win games, and they came into tonight um, a half game, basically a half game out of tying, quote unquote, uh, Philadelphia in the standings. We yes, we're aware that uh, the Brewers actually need to be a game ahead of them to win because they lose the tiebreakers with the Phillies, um, as well as with the Padres. Although the odds of catching them are very slim now as well, uh, as it was for a long time with the Cardinals. Um, but we're, so we're recording for those that don't know, we're recording actually right after uh, the Brewers lost tonight's game against the Marlins. They had a chance to go up one in the win column and basically take possession of that wild card spot, if you will. Um, they did, unfortunately did not do so, even though the Phillies lost earlier today. But the mission is simple. Just win games. I mean, they're they're as close to in control of their own destiny as they are one extra win and they would be in control of their own destiny. But the Phillies being on the road, having to finish against Houston, I believe um, it's the, all their games left are on the road. They've got a much tougher uh, way out of this than the Brewers do theoretically who play the Marlins and the Diamondbacks to finish out the season, just win games. It's not, there's not, yeah, we could analyze certain things, but you're right. Like, it's as simple as that. Just win. And unfortunately, they couldn't tonight, uh, but they're still right there with the Phillies, and we've got a week left. And, oh, this as is going to be late interesting three, week. Al Davis once said, just win, baby. baby. Yeah. Just win. And they've been doing a little bit of that, but mm-hmm. not enough. I mean, really, the, the only thing keeping them in – is the fact that the Philadelphia Phillies apparently do not want a postseason spot. They they want it less than the Brewers do. They My have God. lost five straight. Five straight, including they got swept by the Cubs. Yeah. The Cubs. For the and season. Th- they're the playing horribly. They're they're looking bad in the field, making ridiculous mistakes. Mm-hmm. It looks like the Phillies don't want it. They are leaving this wild card spot wide open for the Brewers. And here they were on a on a Thursday night with a chance to take it, and that they, they they fell flat. It was a, a grand slam from old friend, new nemesis, Avisail right. Garcia, off of relief pitcher Freddie Peralta. Um, and it just man, it, it it's a blow, man. Because I mean, you're coming in and you had the Phillies lose on Wednesday, the Brewers won. Uh, a, a nice win over the Cardinals on Wednesday. And then the Phillies lose early in the day on Thursday. 
And it's like, okay, like we're we're right here. And now you're in a you're in a legit tie for the third and final wild card spot. You have a chance to go a half game up with a win right here. You're facing the Marlins. You feel like you're in a pretty good spot. And then it just it, it all falls apart there with in the eighth inning with a grand slam from Garcia. And all the wind has just left the sails. All the optimism that was building up. And it has taken a long time Mm -hmm. for some optimism to come back into Brewers Twitter and Brewers fandom. I mean, that optimism has been gone for minimum two months. You know, ever since the hater trade, optimism has been going straight downhill. So some of it was finally building back up. It's like, okay, we might be right here, right here. And then, and then this loss to the Marlins, and just like that, everyone's going to be jumping off. It's like, yep, I knew it. I knew I shouldn't have gotten my hopes up. Shouldn't have been optimistic. Nope, not not going to not going to fall for this trick again. They're all, all they're just going to do is disappoint. That that's where everyone's sitting right now. Yeah, and I think the one tonight particularly hurts because like we've seen relievers give up late leads, and that's. That sucked. Um, you know, recently we had Matt Bush, and he has done that on more than one occasion. Taylor Rogers has done it as well. You know, Holby Milner even, um, he is, he's had his rough patches down the stretch after having a really good first half of the season. Perdomo, you know, I, the list kind of goes on and on. Um, so for tonight to be Freddie Peralta to be the guy who – ends up giving it up like that one stings even a little bit more. Cause it's like, you can't blame it on these guys who are newer and you know, it's like, Oh, well, if we hadn't traded hater, then we wouldn't have, you know, so-and-so giving up runs and blah, blah, blah. Like this is Peralta. This is our boy. This is someone who, you know, it, it's, you never want to see him falter because, you know, it, this is smiley Freddie Peralta and you know, he, at least coming into this year, like he just he he doesn't give up runs. You know, he had that fantastic twenty twenty one season, and I know this year is what it was, especially with the injury. But it, it just it's just different when it when someone like him is the guy who ends up giving up the big bomb. Like that's it's even a little bit more wind taken out of the sail. I feel like versus like oh yep another another Matt Root Bush uh, Homer to give up a lead late. Like uh you know it's almost a you know, you're used to it kind of feeling in that sense. You're not used to Peralta doing this. And so speaking, speaking of which, what is up with Matt Bush and Taylor Rogers all of a sudden giving up dingers left and right? Ah, prior to this season, prior to this point in their careers, they had not given up home runs at rates like this. And now all of a sudden it's like every other outing they're giving up dingers and, and they're no doubters. It's like, what is happening? Like what, what has happened to these guys? Taylor Rogers has an ERA over six with Milwaukee. Matt Bush is just under five, barely, I believe. I mean, it is it is bad mm-hmm. um, how how these guys have been. They have not produced like like they were expected to. And at this point, it's more than just one bad outing that, that's ruining their ERA. I mean, this has been consistent. They are they are giving up a couple of runs every other time out. I mean, it is. It is confusing as to what happened to these guys. And with, well, I guess both of them have their like ways of being puzzling. Cause I think Taylor Rogers, he had given up either. It was either zero or one home run before he got to us. I can't remember what it was, but it was, he, he I, think barely, it, I think it was just one. Well, okay. That, that's just one San Diego this year. I knew it wasn't much or wasn't many. Um, and then Matt Bush with him, I think it's puzzling because when he is on, good God, he looks untouchable. When his stuff is at its best, it's dirty. And then, it, 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 but it'll be within the same outing that he'll just, he'll go in two batters and just throwing that nasty stuff. And then all of a sudden, boom, he gets popped for a deep home run. It's like, what? Where was all that stuff from before? And ah, I don't know. It's just, it's insane that this has happened. It's just been the perfect storm. The fact that the Brewers are even in it right now with 
all of these just crazy, weird, bad things that have happened to the team this season is just, I shouldn't say this season, really in the second half of the season, because they were looking very, very good for a good portion of the year. Um, With everything that's happened, the fact that they are in a almost virtual tie with the Phillies being just off by a game right now is just, it, it says something, maybe it says something about the weakness of Philadelphia. Um, But how they're still in this is just, it's, it's almost mind boggling to be honest, but those two, how they've just decided they're just home run machines. Now batting practice machines, uh, I don't know. It's like, this is bizarre. Like we expect that from year. Trevor Kelly, you know? Yeah. And this is the second year in a row where they said, all right, we got a plan for the bullpen and this is what it is and let's do it. And it just blew up. Now, granted last year, 50% of that was because the guy ended up getting hurt. But so, at least he was healthy when they got him. He Unlike was. Trevor Rosenthal, who was hurt yeah, at the yeah. time and had been hurt for two plus, I'm not. I'm not going to get over this. I'm just. I'm just not going to get. Over, I'm going to bring it up every single time. Like, you have that one. It's like, oh yeah, we'll we'll get. They got four guys for the bullpen. They DFA'd one within 48 hours, and the other one has been hurt for two years and got hurt again, and he's unable to pitch. So you only had two bullpen acquisitions that actually came to Milwaukee and, and we're able to pitch and Rogers ERA over six Bush ERA around five. Like they're, they're both home run machines last year. Yeah. Uh, well, Curtis, John Curtis. Yes. He, he pitched in six games. He gave up runs in like five of them, I think. And then he blew out his elbow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one was Daniel Norris who also sucked. Yeah, like the the bull, the the deadline bullpen deals have been so bad for them the last two years, and the bullpen was all that they added this mm-hmm. year. That was all that they added. They, yeah. they only got they one year, pretty much. Yeah, but I mean, they like they also got Eduardo Escobar to at least help out the offense last yeah. year. Like like that was that was a good one. I don't know and why they didn't they didn't get anything like that this year. I like I I I've half forgotten Escobar existed, which is let's be honest, that's also what Craig Council did in the playoffs last year. <laughs> let's not talk about it. Um, but anyway, <laughs> Curtis like like Curtis was legitimately good before the Brewers traded for Matt Bush was legitimately good before the Brewers traded for him too. Norris was not. That was a trying to like read the underlying numbers and like kind of pull something a little tricky. Um, and it didn't work kind of like they've done in the past with, um, uh, Jordan Lyles, um, Drew Pomerantz, you know, his numbers, uh, looked a little rough overall, but there were some underlying things that looked like, oh, he might end up working. And he did in 2019, they thought they were being cute with Daniel Norris and it didn't, didn't happen. John Curtis was good with Miami and then just, yeah, you're right. Like never never really ended up having a chance to get his footing with the Brewers because he ends up getting hurt after those few. But then, yeah, like Matt Bush was good with Texas and comes over and is just giving up home runs. Taylor Rogers, were aware, you know, that he started off well. And then, um, you know, same thing as Josh Hader. He started off good and then uh, ended up slumping in the middle of the season. Um, Denelson Lamette. Oh, yeah, that happened. Um, we're just rehashing old episodes at this point, but yeah, yeah, it's just, it's unfortunate because, you know, Matt Bush would have been a great person to have in the lineup tonight. And you're not even considering him at that point because he went last night and gave up a home run. You're not just going to wheel him out there again. Um, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's been very frustrating and, you know, just kind of watching how the, how this team goes. I mean, it's it's so many ups and downs, and you know, just with the performances of some of these guys. I mean, Christian Yelich over the last week or so is hitting like under a hundred or, yeah. or something like that. Like it, he's been in a major slump. He was one for his last twenty six before they sat him yesterday. Yeah, 
Yeah, on uh, on Wednesday there, and then comes in. He had a single today, and um, I forget if he had another one, but nope, he was one for four. One for four, yeah. So he had a single, so he's two for his last thirty. Oof. That's that's bad. Yeah, because he walked um, yesterday. Yeah. So two for his last thirty. Yelich is in a slump. Um, Adamus is is doing what he can, but. Um, you know, there's only so much you can do there. You know, you're trying to get some other guys maybe into some home run binges, and you know, the the offense has just, you know, they they've they haven't been terrible, um, but you'd like to see more from them. And then when they do, you know, something decent, the pitching isn't able to hold up. Um, you know, the the bullpen falters, whatever it is, or the rotation falters. Like, he had a must-win game that, that Tuesday there against the Cardinals. And just immediately, uh, it all went downhill with, with Hauser on the mound. He just could not get it going. And then he ends up leaving with an injury. Uh, had a pitch there in the third inning. And then um, he just kind of comes up limping. And uh, it was a groin injury, groin strain. And he left. He's on the IL. And that is going to end his season. Unless the Brewers make it to like the NLDS or NLCS or something like that, which at this point is unlikely because they failed to put themselves into a playoff spot when they have the opportunity to do so. So it's just it's just one disappointment after after another. Like they're, they're right there. The opportunities have been there. If they've been able to take advantage, they'd be they'd be right up there in, in that third wild card spot, maybe pushing for the second one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure how far away that is, but still, they'd be pushing themselves up there. And they, they could at least secure that spot, but they just haven't been able to do it. And they've been so close. They've been right on the edge of it. And that's what makes it all the more frustrating is that it, it's right there. It's so close. You can taste it. And they just can't get there. Now, and let's talk about Christian Yelich for a second, because this is the the multi-million dollar man. The Brewers are right there, right there for a playoff spot. This is the guy who you need to get hot for just a week, literally just a week. Uh, forget that one for 26 or two for 30 or whatever it is right now. And it almost, you know what, he comes, he comes up, he has that single he ends up scoring uh, first to third on a hell of a slide into in home um, early in the game to put the Brewers on top tonight. And then ends up he doesn't end up with a hit uh, for the rest of the game. This is the guy that you need to heat up for just six more games. Like, this is what you're paid to do. Put the Brewers in the playoff, perform well in the most important of times for the team. Like, it's Willie Adamas is trying to single handed, he's been trying to single handedly will this team into the playoffs for weeks now. McCutcheon has gotten hot here and there. Renfro has gotten <sighs> hot. He's had some big hits here and there. Um, it, uh, Colton Wong had the three home run game the other day. Like, there's been players who have been trying to do what they can. Yelich needs to be leading the way. Like, this, it is now or never for him. It just, he, he's got to do better. Like, if the if the Brewers don't make it in and Yelich ends up continuing this cold streak to finish out the year, you're all of a sudden, I, I get there's a lot of years left on this contract, but... Man, it's you look at him a little bit different way in that he couldn't, you know, be Christian Yelich when they needed him to be Christian Yelich. And they've needed him to be Christian Yelich for years now, don't get me wrong. But like this is prime. This is a perfect time for him to look even like two thirds of his 2018, 2019 self. You don't even you don't even have to fully be that, but if if you can be almost like a little over half of that, like the Brewers are in the playoffs, like it's yeah. it, just I come up in big moments. That that wouldn't do the trick. Yeah, if he can just come up in big moments down the stretch here, I mean, you're paying him twenty six million dollars a year, every year for the rest of the decade. 
I mean, you you need him to to be that guy. And on the season, he's hitting 253. He, he's down to now. He's hitting around the 250 range, which is just a few ticks above where he was last year. He was at 248 last year. Um, OPS right around the same point. You know, it's it's not really improvement from Yelich. You know, it's just kind of more the same from what he was last year. And, you know, for a while when he was in that hot stretch, he was hitting like, you know, 300-something after the after the deadline. You know, when he was in that leadoff spot, you know, he's getting on base. It's like, okay, you know what, you, you can live with this, the, the high batting average, high on base percentage. Probably not going to hit 44 home runs in a season again. But he'll he'll be getting on base. He'll be stealing bases, doing that kind of thing. And he just he just hasn't been able to do it. He hasn't been able to kick it back up into that gear. Um, and he's not even at Marlins level of of performance yet. You know, he, he's his batting average isn't even back up there. His OPS isn't back up there. So that just makes it even even more disappointing. And and you're paying him to be that franchise guy. You're paying him twenty six million dollars a year. And because of his contract, it is it is that much more difficult for them to pay the guys who are currently performing and, and trying to get the team to the playoffs, like Willie Adamas, like Corbin Burns, like Brandon Woodruff. It's so much harder for the Brewers to pay those guys because they're already paying Yelich, and Yelich isn't living up to his contract. Now, granted, we may be a bit uh, late to this. I know a lot of people have already been angry at Yelich and, and think that his contract was a waste and, and it's already a giant albatross. And, you know, some may have already decreed this before, but I mean, it's one thing when that happens in, in May and June and, and whatnot, but when you're in the final week of the season with a playoff spot on the line, this is where big players make big plays. This is where big money players got to make big plays and show why they are worthy of their contracts and the, this ne- this next week is going to be crucial for for Yelich. He needs to bust out of the slump, and they need to get him going. Adamas is going to need to keep it up, and they just they really need someone to really kind of put this team on their back. And it can't be one of the pitchers because you know okay, Brandon Woodruff has been putting the team on his back his last four starts. That's been four games over the span of what three weeks. You know, he he can only impact so many games. You need a position player to put this team, put this offense on his back and carry them. And they haven't had anyone be able to do it. Right. And let's let's take a look, actually, real quick at – Eva's leverage numbers pulled up on baseball reference and his high leverage numbers. They're not terrible. Um, he's hitting 263, which is okay. Oh, that's decent. Um, he's got a 426 on base percentage in high leverage situations. That's actually really good. Okay, great. His OPS total though is um, 781. From your, from a guy that you're paying the amount of money that you're paying Christian Yelich, 781 in high leverage, one home run in high leverage. Now I do I, I question uh, how Baseball Reference actually assigns high leverage, medium leverage, low leverage because I don't know if you remember um, the Cubs series where uh, Streslecki gave up a home run where they were, like, I, I think the Brewers were up one in the eighth or something like that. Like, that feels about as high leverage as you can get, and they assign that home run to medium leverage. So I, I do question that somewhat. Um, but, again, like a 781 OPS in high leverage situations, I guess, it, I mean, it's not bad, but it's not what someone like Christian Yelich should be putting up. He should be putting yeah. up way better numbers in the most clutch of situations. And he just hasn't been doing that. Like, there's been plenty of times where, like, in 2018, 2019, Yelich walks up to the plate late in a game, Brewers needing a big hit. You can throw it on the board. It's it's happening. He's hitting yeah. a double. He's, hit, he's Bet driving the house on it in Vegas, you know, yeah. like like you knew it was coming. And, and now, now it's just it's just like you're almost dreading it. 
Right, because you're like, oh, wait, okay, what's going to happen? Like, he might, okay, I guess he might pull something out. But, but the most it's likely positive outcome from, from him is a walk. Yeah. Like, like you know, Yelich came up in, in a clutch situation the other day, a chance to add on whatever else, he draws a walk. Yep. And it's like, okay, you know, that's that's fine, and, and he puts it up to um, whoever was next. I, I think it was I think it was Caratini, yeah. So he puts it up to Caratini, and then Caratini hits the hits the ground rule double, and there are the insurance runs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, on one hand, it's like, look, oh, you know, the, a walk is nothing to be mad about, but you know, also from Christian Yelich, you, you hope for a, a little bit more. Yeah. You know, not a walk's as good as a hit isn't true in all cases. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at today. Like the the Brewers end up losing four to two, and it would have been nice to have more than two runs on the board at that point. They scored two runs on nine hits. I mean, you got to put up more They had runs. bases loaded twice and did nothing. Yeah. They, they didn't score a single run with, with bases loaded twice. Yeah, and how many times have we seen that? And, like, yes, the stats say the Brewers are top half of the league when it comes to, you know, producing runs in bases loaded situations. That's great. But, God, we've seen so many times where they haven't, though. And it feels like it happens more often than not. And I don't, I don't know why it's so much different than the actual numbers, but it, it just feels like we've been let down so many times, especially, especially after a leadoff double. I swear to God, when the Brewers <laughs> hit leadoff doubles, that's when you know they're not scoring. Like, I'm not crazy to yeah. think. Am I like I feel like it happens? You you are not. That is that is such a rare con- like it, it's such a common occurrence that like everyone's kind of picked up and it's like oh leadoff double okay we're in business we got a man in scoring position nobody out this is going to be good strikeout infield pop strikeout boom yeah. done ending over nothing happens and it's just all the time all seemingly all the time. I'm not sure if there's numbers to that, if there's a stat for that, but yeah, there is. It's it's bad, and you know, staying on the on the track of, of Christian Yelich there, you know, another thing that that's been bad with him that has caught a lot of attention is his throwing arm because everyone just seems to run wild on him. You know, it's a ground ball to left field, Yelich has the ball before the runner even reaches third base. They wave him around. Typically, that'd be you know a, a at least a close play at the plate. Nope, Yelch's throw is super far behind, and it's like, oh my god, his throwing arm is so bad. And now Statcast finally has an arm strength leaderboard. They have they have put together the numbers. They have the Statcast numbers on everything when it comes to arm strength. And among outfielders, Christian Yelich is fifth worst in all of baseball in terms of outfield arm strength. And honestly, I'm a little surprised he ranked that highly because <laughs> it is, it is bad. But I mean, honestly, that, that makes, that makes sense. Fifth worst, you know, bottom five in the league in terms of arm strength. That sounds about right. Yeah. He's got to be DH next year. You have to, with the young outfielders who are coming up, and Garrett Mitchell's already here. You got Selfrey, like, it, he'll be here next year, whether it's to start the season or it's very shortly thereafter. He'll be here. Asturi Ruiz should be playing with the Brewers at some point next year. Just move him to DH at this point. Like, just get it over with. I, yeah. I don't know if they will ever actually seriously consider the whole Yelich to first base uh experiment i know we'll hear about it again this off season because we have oh, yes. every off season now um but just just throw him at designated hitter and be done with it like it's there are so many more talented outfielders than yelich at this point in the organization that it hinders you to continue putting him in the outfield like garrett mitchell is plus defense in the outfield Freelick is plus defense in the outfield. Asteri uh, Ruiz, plus defense. What's that? Asteri Ruiz, plus defense, plus speed. Joey Weimer, plus defense. Cannon for an arm. Yeah. It just, it, there's there's literally no point in keeping him out there. I, I get that they're doing it now, and that's fine. Uh, but considering that Andrew McCutcheon is unlikely to return, 
um, after his one-year deal, um, as you already wrote about this week, um, among some others. It There's going to be room. There's going to be room at designated hitter for him, and there's going to be room at outfield for the youngins. Um, just bite the bullet, move him to DH. He's got less to think about. Maybe that'll open up his offensive abilities again. I don't know, but... Uh, yeah, hopefully after this final week of the season and maybe some playoffs, that is for the most part the rest of what we get to see of Kristen Yelich in the outfield, and it would be smart of the Brewers to move in that direction. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, though, when it comes to that, is that Christian Yelich then becomes a very expensive, one-dimensional designated hitter who sure. hasn't even been hitting as well as he should be um over over the last two three seasons um and i mean there's only so much you can do to address that and you know putting him out there in the outfield doesn't necessarily add value to the team but you know you're paying 26 million dollars you're going to want a little bit more than a than a dh ideally you know especially this early in his career i mean he's still young you know he's not you know he's not physically incapable of playing the field um, he's not a very good thrower of the baseball, but he can still run him down and, and catch him sure. just fine. Yeah. Um, but that's where maybe maybe first base again could be a thing. Apparently he played first base in high school, but you also have Rowdy Telez, um, who I mean his body type might fit a bit more of a, a DH, but also I mean he doesn't play a horrible first base. His range is very limited, mm-hmm. um, but he doesn't play a horrible first base. So, like, would you move Teles to, to DH? You know, would you move Yelich there? But uh, I think certainly they need to clear room for those those prospects. I'm not sure if he's going to be a full-time DH. I mean, we'll still probably see Yelich a bunch in the outfield next year. Yeah. Right. But I think that that move is going to be coming sooner rather than later, especially with, as we mentioned, Sal Freelich and Asteri Ruiz and Garrett Mitchell and Joey Weimer and then Jackson Churio behind them. Um, there's just so many good defenders in the outfield, and they are going to need spots that you can put them there and put Yelich at DH, and you're, you'll actually be much better off as a team. Yeah. I like I get the whole Yelich isn't necessarily putting up DH numbers, quote-unquote, for what you're paying him. Um, but I, I guess it's still better to me having, you know, below average DH numbers and no defense versus below average offensive numbers and subpar defense, you know, Mm -hmm. like just, just be done with it. Especially you're right. Like he's not, when it comes to fielding of the baseball, he's not bad, but he's still probably not as good as some of these younger guys. And when you add the arm into the equation, that's when it really just makes sense to, you know, shift things around, shift him to DH. Again, this is a next year conversation. We're not doing this right now um, because it's not like you're going to really improve if you swap him out for uh, Andrew McCutcheon right now. Andrew Uh, McCutcheon had the 15th worst uh, ranked throwing arm. Uh, yep. Also per stack has. So, I mean, it's a slight improvement. It goes from from bottom five to to bottom fifteen, but yeah, that's that's a, that, that's not much. And in yeah. positive news, Hunter Ren, Hunter Renfro was in the top ten in throwing arms. So not surprising. So yeah, also not surprising. Um, so so that's good. At least you got that out there. Um. And Renfro's been Renfro, Renfro's had a good season. Um, you know he he's hitting you know probably about you know as well as you can expect for a guy like him hitting around 250 or so. Uh, he's hitting homers, um, so he's he's providing that production that really you expected from him. Hunter Renfro's been been as advertised. His home runs have come in have come in bunches. It's been pretty streaky for him. Um, in center field, I mean, Garrett Mitchell is hitting. Close to 300. Um, he's got his batting average back up there. Um, he's already got five stolen bases. Um, Tyrone Taylor's been having a pretty solid September as well. So yeah, he's I'm been nice to see that. 
Yeah, he's been turning around. Well, I mean, now his job's in jeopardy. He, he knows Gary Mitchell's Gary Mitchell's an actual threat to his job. Jonathan Davis was not. Speaking of which, Jonathan Davis was outrighted off the 40-man roster this past week. Didn't even know he was he was DFA'd, um, but it just was announced that he was outrighted and, and he's back in uh, AAA Nashville. He was on a rehab assignment there for like a month. You know, he, he didn't need that long of a rehab assignment. They just wanted to push off a decision. They did not want to call him back up. So Davis gets outrighted. It's Taylor and Mitchell in center field, and both have been hitting the ball a lot better uh, as of late. So that's good to see. Um, Taylor is is fighting for his job right now because he knows Mitchell's here and he's only the first. He knows that Sal Freelich is hitting like 350 in AAA behind him, that Asturi Ruiz is right behind him, uh, Jackson Churio after that. He knows his job is in jeopardy, so he's fighting to keep it. Um, I think it's too little too late to be honest, but you know, anything, uh, anything can happen in in the world of baseball, but it's too little too late for, for Taylor. Yeah, I agree. And I think we talked about this on a previous episode too. Um, but things haven't really changed in my mind since then. It's nice that these, he's doing this down the stretch and he's had stretches in the past where he's put up impressive numbers and you thought, Oh, Okay, with regular playing time, sure, maybe he does end up providing or proving himself to be a serviceable outfielder. But you can't just do that for a couple weeks at the end of the season and make everything be all right. Like his numbers on the whole have not been good. So I, I agree. I don't think this saves his job. Um, I, I don't know how, if you're the Brewers, you can go into next year with all these outfield options at your disposal and say that Tyrone Taylor is better than some of those other options. Like, I get that he's, at this point, a veteran. He's been around the major leagues, so he's, I guess, more proven in that sense. But he's only proven in that he has experience. But that experience is not great like this is this year he actually had the chance to get extended playing time and prove that like yes i'm a guy you want to keep around and he fell short outside of these this last little streak he fell short so i don't know how again i don't know how you go into next year and say like he's got to be one of our guys it sucks because you know he's he's got a ton of team control left but he's got no minor league options left so he's in a really weird position this offseason. Yeah, I, I think Tyrone's ceiling is that of a solid fourth outfielder, mm-hmm. uh, backup outfielder. You know, I, I thought, you know, coming into the year, maybe there was a chance that, you know, he could be uh, a regular everyday starter at the big league level. Because we had seen that in spurts, um, and, he, and he had never gotten the opportunity. But now that he had been given that chance, yeah, he had pretty much the entire summer, especially after Lorenzo Cain was DFA'd. He had a couple months there to really kind of show his stuff without any sort of challenge to his job. I mean, Jonathan Davis was the clear backup to him, and Tyrone went into a slump. And, I mean, he got an extended look, just kind of never really was able to to take advantage of it. And then now Mitchell's here. I mean, especially after they got a Steery Ruiz at the deadline, you know, just adding to their outfield mix. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that just makes it so much more impossible for, for him to, to keep his job. And really, I could see him being trade bait this offseason just because with the sheer number of, of those prospects, you know, if you get rid of Taylor, then you can have up Mitchell and uh, Ruiz and Freelich and Yelich and Renfro and you can make it all work in that outfield mm-hmm. uh, with having all those guys up. If Taylor's in there, one of those guys has to go back down. And who do you put down? Mitchell, he's already been up for a little over a month. He's not going to be going back down. Freelich, doubtful. Ruiz, with, with his ability to to get on base and steal bases and, and the numbers he's put up this year, plus he was like essentially the centerpiece of your Josh Hader trade, not going to send him back down. I wouldn't think so. I think I think you're gonna have to roll with those guys. Probably trade Taylor or something for whatever you can get in the offseason. So maybe this this last little stretch here 
um, of of good play might help boost his trade value a little bit and and have someone else be like, you know what, maybe we could turn him into a starter if we gave him a regular opportunity. Right. And with when you look at Mitchell, he he's he's definitely provided a spark for the Brewers at times. He's had his moments. And but it's not like he has, you know, just like blown the roof off or anything like that and and been like, wow, this is the next Juan Soto. And yet he was almost to 300 for a batting average yesterday uh, going into yesterday before he struck out. But that strikeout still made him, I, I believe, 10 for his last 20, according to what I heard on the broadcast. And coming into today, he, his on base percentage was over 350. So even not looking, you know, like the next, like I said, like Juan Soto, Mike Trout, whatever, he's still got some damn fine numbers. So imagine next year when he's got a little bit more job security, he knows he's going to be a big leaguer for the Brewers. Just and he's adjusted to the big leagues a little yeah, bit. Yeah, imagine how much more impressive he ends up looking. You're going to want to go with him over a guy who – like I said, with regular playing time, put up subpar numbers. Like, you know what Taylor is at, at this point. Yes. You know, I mean, he he's a late bloomer. I mean, he was drafted in 2012. Uh, he, he was drafted a decade ago. <laughs> it took him so long to, to come up through the minor leagues and, and finally get a, a big league opportunity. And, you know, it, it, he's just you, – you don't find too many – regular everyday starters that bloom that late you know like you know what did he make his debut at like 28 27 28 something like that um i mean i think he's is he 30 now or something like that i need to pull up his 20 he's actually only 28 now he made his debut at 25 okay 25 but he was just out of high school so yeah it took him like seven years or something but but yeah, so it's like this is this is essentially going to be his peak. I mean, he's older than Willie Adamas, older than Rowdy Telez, um, older than than Keston, older than Arias. Um, yeah, it's. I, I think this is what it is for for Tyrone, and I mean, we may be getting a little bit ahead of ourselves with the offseason stuff and, and trading guys and whatever else because. We still have some more regular season time to go here, uh, and potentially maybe a postseason. I'm not holding my breath, um, but they've gotten close, Matt. If you had to, if you had to put it on a scale of one to ten, what is your confidence level that we will see the Brewers in the postseason this year? Oh my God! <laughs> you know how many times. I've had to answer this question in one form or another for the last like month. And it's crazy because in fact, like this is actually the second time today because I on Leo Balky. Yeah. We, yeah, exactly. We talked about this with the boys up in green Bay. Um, and I told them like, I feel like it changes from day to day, like depending on what the brewers have been doing right now on a scale of one to 10. Ugh. Four and a half, but that's literally only because of I just watched them lose on a grand slam to Avi tomorrow night. If Burns ends up winning, which, by the way, this is my tomorrow night, I'll be at the game. And this is my fifth chance to try and see Burns, try and see the Brewers win a game that Burns started for whatever reason has never happened. Oh, Uh, God, we're doing if we win tomorrow, I might be at a seven out of ten. Like this is this is how up and down the Brewers have made us feel out of this month, especially out of these last couple weeks. Yeah. How about you? I mean, I'm probably sitting at around probably a four. Um, I mean. Yeah, I mean, part of that could be the recency bias of having just watched them lose to the Marlins. Um, but, I mean, really, just kind of coming into this, I I don't feel super confident in, in this team uh, right now. I mean, they, they have some moments. Um, but, I mean, they, the Phillies are struggling, 
And the Phillies have to face the Astros to finish out the year. So maybe maybe a four is too too mean. Maybe, maybe a five. Um, but like I, I'm right around the same point as you. Like it's just kind of some optimism if everything falls right, but not not too confident uh, in what they're doing. Just kind of hedging the bets, staying staying in the middle. I think that's where a lot of us are. Um, I mean, some people may already be down at a one, and it's just like this team is over. I'm on the football, whatever else. But I don't think there's going to be anyone too much above a seven or so. Yeah. You know, like legitimately, I don't think anyone's going to be that high, that confident in this team, even the most optimistic among us. And we're some of the most optimistic among us when it comes to Brewers fans. Like, we are usually the positive, optimistic people. And we're hanging around down a four or a five on our confidence level in this team making the postseason. Like that, I think, says something about about what this team is right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, they just like they haven't been able to string together enough of a stretch to make us believe, oh, this is going to happen. It's been as much the Phillies' futility that has gotten the Brewers in this position. And so being confident in the Brewers' chances to make the postseason is equally related to being confident that the Phillies are going to falter down the stretch. And they very well might. It's what they've been doing. This is their now, I think. It is the Phillies. It is what they do. I think this is their second five-game losing streak of the month. Um, No. Because I remember they they were on a five gamer at one point, so uh, it, it, it's it, it's both things. But it, it, there's no confidence that the Brewers because they'll put together a couple wins or three out of four or something like that, and like okay, great, now let's keep doing this, and then they'll end up scoring one run on eight hits and yeah. lose to an easy team or something like, like the Marlins. Right, like the Marlins. Yeah. So it, it, it's hard to get above that point. Not saying that they don't have a chance to make the playoffs. They obviously do. They're right there. But is there's no reason for us to say want to say, like, oh, obviously it's going to happen. The optimistic part of me wants to say that, but that's just because I'm an optimistic person. It's not, yeah. it's not what the numbers are saying. Numbers are basically saying they're 50-50. So four and a half out of ten, that's yeah, close to fifty-fifty. Yeah, like, like I mean, the optimistic side of me is is looking at this like, hey, you can grab that third wild card spot, and you make it into the postseason for the fifth straight year, and you face the Cardinals round one, best two out of three. Anything can happen in that, especially if you line it up. You got Burns, you got Woodruff going in games one and two. Best two out of three, you can win that. Like, like that is a winnable series, even if it is the Cardinals. No matter who it is, best of three, anything can happen. So there's a chance that they could do that. You know, you get into the postseason, you could exercise your demons against the St. Louis Cardinals, exercise that devil magic that they have, beat them in the postseason on their turf, kind of pay them back for them celebrating winning the Central at American Family Field. And then you move on to the NLDS, and if that happens, all of a sudden everything's going to be happy in in Brewerland. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of a sudden everything, all of the all of the mistakes, all of the misdeeds, all of the leadoff doubles wasted, all of the yeah. bases loaded wasted, all of that goes away because you're able to to make that run. You're able to beat the Cardinals in the playoffs, which they have never done in franchise history. And advance to the NLDS, which is something that pretty much none of us have expected from this team the you know for the past two months. None of us have expected that. So if they make it there, you know, all of a sudden, okay, this team has surpassed expectations and, and you know they they've they've made a little bit of a run here. They they can make some noise. Because once you make it if you can make it past the Cardinals. You know, then who knows what could happen? Mm-hmm. You know, then then it could be, you know, you're in October, you get hot at the right time because if they do get into October, it's going to be because they're getting hot down the stretch here. So if they can carry that over, carry that through, then anything can happen. That's what the optimistic side of me is thinking. But then the 
pessimistic side of me is watching the team every single night. And it's like, there's no way. There's no way they can pull it off. But again, it's baseball. It can happen. It really can. I don't want to leave everyone with the super negativity, but like that's that's what the the positivity, optimistic side of me is thinking. You can make the postseason for a fifth straight year. You can face the Cardinals. You can beat the Cardinals in a best two out of three, and you can advance. And who would they face? The Mets or the Dodgers? I don't know. But I mean, they could. They went to seven games with the Dodgers this year. I mean, they they lost in seven. You know, they they lost four out of out of seven. But it took him to that seventh game. Mm-hmm. So really, I mean, any one of those games goes the opposite way. The Brewers are moving on, and next thing you know, it's it's the NLCS, and from there, who knows? But that's that that's the the most optimistic view, most optimistic picture I can paint right now. Yeah, I, I hear a lot of talk about well, the Nationals did it in 2019. You know, they got hot yeah. at the right time. They made a run, and they ended up winning a championship. I, I'd love to know what Nationals fans were going through back then. Like, were were they – and I don't know if it's apples to apples. I'd have to look at what their September actually looked like. And, you know, if they were – you know, I'm sure they were hotter than the Brewers are now uh, at this point. But I, I'd love to know what the fan base was going through in terms of them like just barely being there around a playoff spot and then going on that run. And if they were in as much uh, of a pessimistic state as a lot of Brewers fans are currently. Yeah. I mean, they certainly are now because ever since then it's been, uh, it's been all downhill for the Washington nationals since, but they won the world series. You know, I I think if the Brewers are able, and I, I, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before on the podcast, but if the Brewers are able to win a World Series here, whatever happens after, I don't think is going to matter as much. Because as long as you get that ring, as long as you get that banner, and it's not a wild card banner that you're putting up, it's a legit World Series champion banner, then I think no matter what happens after, fans are going to be okay. Because you finally had that championship. Now, obviously, we would like more. You know, we're, we're not we're not totally satisfied with just one. But also, you understand, as a small market team, given the the restrictions that they have, they're not going to be able to build a dynasty like the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're they're not going to be able to to build that type of financial powerhouse. They they just aren't. So, what do you do? You know, that's if you win it, if you win it all once, and then you have to, you have to go into Washington Nationals level teardown where they trade away everybody. Would you take it? Ah, I, I've always you get a ring. You, you get a ring right. and you win. I, I think the Nationals won it on the road. Yeah, I think every single game was won on the road in that World Series, but. If you get a World Series, you win it in Milwaukee. I mean, if if you're guaranteeing me a ring, sure. Yep, I'll go through the rebuilding. This, I mean, this is a hypothetical here. Yeah. But yeah, hypothetical. You win the ring, but you have to blow it all up yeah. within the you know by three years down the road, like, yeah. like they did trading away Scherzer, Trey Turner, Juan Soto. Sure. Yes. If if you're guaranteeing me a ring, I will take that ring. Hundred times out of a hundred. The problem is that it's like there is no way to guarantee that, especially when you're having to fight against the um, New York Mets and the L.A. Dodgers and the, you know, of the world and everything like that. Like, it, it's so hard to guarantee that as a, you know, mid to small market team like the Brewers. So that that's where I understand that they're trying to be competitive every year and have that like you never know what can happen mentality. But if it if in the hypothetical situation, if you're telling me that the Brewers would get a ring and then be un, non-competitive for a few years afterwards, yes, ten times out of ten, I take that. Yeah, yeah, I'd say the same thing. I mean, if you, I just want to see a ring. I'm not expecting a dynasty. I mean, it's going to be a lot. You know, it's going to be like the Nationals. It's going to be like the Royals as well. I mean, pr- probably more so like the Royals. I mean, they built it up. You know, they, they had a, a playoff contender that, that they built through their farm system, 
through trades like the Brewers have done. They had their best shots there, you know, 2014, 2015. They finally won in 2015. And then a few years later, they had to blow it all up. You know, they had to let Kane go, Moustakis go, Hosmer go. Their their core, they had to let go. And I'd be fine with that. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you win a ring, I, I think Royals fans would, would Royals fans would do the same thing. They absolutely are happy to take it. They got that World Series. They experienced it. Sure, it sucked letting Hosmer and Kane and Moustakis go, but they brought them in a World Series. So they really can't complain too much. And, you know, I think Brewers fans, as much as we all like to complain, <laughs> if if there's a World Series, I, I think I think they'll be uh, I think we'll be all right. So, you know, it, it's just a matter of getting there. And you know, could it happen this year? The it's it's not looking it's not looking great for that. But they can get in. They they had the shot. It's right in front of them. They just have to take it. And if they can, it's just I mean, you can take the Cardinals in a best two out of three. Yeah, I, I think you can. Facing the Mets, best of five. I think you could do that. You know, like it's not that these series aren't completely like just going in like on paper. Like, I mean, not even on paper because baseball isn't played there, but just going in, playing the games. You get this team hot going in. Legitimately, anything can happen. Absolutely. And they've actually held their own for the most part against good teams. This year, it's not just the Dodgers. It's not just the Cardinals that they, you know, they ended up losing the season series by one. Um, They swept the Rays. They won the series against the Blue Jays. They won the series against the Yankees of all teams. uh, With with Aaron Judge playing at a ridiculous level. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Didn't he he just rope a double in that first uh, at bat against the Brewers, I think? Like, I'm trying to remember back now, like... God, he had a double when he had a chance to go for 60. Like, like he came up late in the game, like in the ninth inning, again with a chance for 60 because he just hit two homers earlier in yeah. that day. And they brought out the special baseballs. And he ended up hitting a double that landed like 20 feet that's, short of uh, the wall. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, but, I mean, they generally do well against good teams. Uh, but the Mets are maybe the only one that's kind of had their kryptonite a little bit. But in general, they rise up to the occasion. And so that that's what leads you to believe that, yes, anything could happen with the Brewers when it comes to the playoffs, which is what makes it so damn frustrating that they're fighting for their playoff lives. That yeah. they, they just need to get there and they haven't gotten there because they can't beat the easy teams or they can't they keep tripping over themselves. Yeah, they can't consistently beat the easy teams. They, they, they got their shoelaces tied together like against each other. Yes. And- like they, they they can't follow um, the the simple you know just put one foot in front of the other like you gotta watch your Christmas specials okay you gotta watch Santa Claus is coming to town and learn to just put one foot in front of the other and soon you'll be walking out that door that that's all you need yeah but yeah it it's, they, they they step on a rake and it bumps up and hit them in the face like like that's it, it's a cartoon almost sideshow Bob just, just trying to walk step on the rake hits them. Right in the schnoz. Yeah, the the optimistic nature is clearly gone. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we'll see what happens. We're heading into the final few games of the regular season. So the season will end on October fifth, um, and that is going to be uh, our next podcast. We're going to be recording that on the sixth. So the next time we talk. The regular season will be over, and we will know if the Brewers made the postseason or if it's on to the offseason already. So only a few more days left of the regular season. We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. So be sure to stay tuned again to reviewing the Brew. We'll be trying to you know put some stuff up there. We'll see as things get more concrete with the playoff race. Um, but that'll do it for us this week. Be sure to follow us again on Twitter. I am at dgasper24. Matt is at mkematt13. We'll see you next time at the end of the regular season, hopefully looking ahead to a playoff series. We'll see you next time for another edition of the Cold Brew Podcast.